0: these are the conversations that I think make a real material difference on mine and other classrooms. And it's like, these are not in this. I don't know. Like these aren't in the standards. There is no standard around public speaking. There's not, I I don't know. Like we're not, is there really? (laughs) everyone welcome back to the broken copier a conversation about teaching my name is jim Mares, and my name is marcus luther so this is an independent and listener supported podcast the goal of the show is to connect with a passionate diverse group of educators to bring helpful analysis and collaboration to folks working in the classroom Uh, most importantly the show is about saying thank you to all the teachers out there past present and future understand their classroom practice through a lens of equity and change. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We'd love to hear from you on social media at The Broken Copier, and you can subscribe to episodes and other writing at thebrokencopier.substack.com. If you'd like to support, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast wherever you stream and to text your friends a link to an episode so they can tune in as well. Marcus, we, we're we back. It's been a little while. <laughs> yeah, it has. We've been, uh, we a been surviving.
1: I think like the positive spin is that we've been uh, locked into finishing the year purposefully in our classrooms. Uh, The honest spin is probably more just saying we've been drowning with things to do and not enough time to do it. Like so many teachers out there can probably empathize with this time of year, but I'm really, one, it's good to see you. Uh, You too. You too. uh, I think I appreciate this and thinking about this conversation because it's so easy for, summer itself to kind of wither away any clarity uh i think so the school year kind of drops off it's like you, you do all this th- this work you're exhausted and you collapse in the summer and there's not always space to capture just kind of like how you felt what you learned what you're thinking about and then you show back up in august or september and you kind of get slapped in the face with reality and you kind of start from scratch sometimes so i i think it's important And I appreciate the chance to just talk to you about uh, how things are coming to a close. Uh, So that's where I'm at. Uh, But I guess to get us started and just kind of launch in, uh, my question for you as our bell ringer, as uh, we are primed to do, is compared to other school years, in one word, how
0: would you describe this one? I... The only word that comes to mind is is tougher. Like, I don't think it was as tough as the remote learning stuff, but I also think that a lot of people, myself included to a certain extent, thought, I guess I kind of over-anticipated how quickly things would, quote-unquote, snap back to normal, and working against that, throughout the whole year and thinking about like well this is the way that things should be and this is where we should be at and consistently having to be like no but it's not where we are and it's not the level and i don't know it was it was harder it fit it definitely felt like one of my earlier years of teaching i had i had a a much more developed skill set, and I was able to like make decisions quicker and more confidently. But it still felt like I was scrambling a lot to adjust and to get things right, and it was it was just tough. It was a tough school year. Um, it was a it was a good school year, and I I certainly think it was a lot better than last or you know remote instruction for sure. And last year, but it was tougher. Like it was it was not one of the easier school years I've ever had.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I think from people I talk to here online, uh, that seems to be a prevailing sentiment. I mean, I myself, one of the posts I wrote recently was about absences in particular, and like, what it was like to navigate the uptick in chronic absences, it seems like is nationwide. Mm-hmm. And as we still kind of adjust to whatever this new normal is after returning back to normal. And I think that that contradiction itself, we're still resolving or reconciling with, but for me, I'm going to, I'll go the positive spin. Uh, Cause I know I'm not always the one who takes that uh, vantage point. The word I would use reflecting on this is intentional. Uh, and I felt like on my end, just narrowing this, this was one of the years where it really felt like I, I had my hand on the steering wheel pretty well. Like I, mm-hmm. I had systems going into this year that I wanted to bring in and execute. Uh, I, I made some adjustments at times that were in responsive to feedback and, and worked out. Uh, I felt like not that there weren't struggles, but when there were struggles uh, I tried to be really uh, open about them with people around me, whether it's like my, my school team, my PLC, uh, my students, quite honestly. And, uh, mm-hmm. And just being transparent, being intentional and in making the class like especially as we get to this closing part, I feel pretty good right now uh, about how our classroom ended and the choices that were made and then kind of some choices I can make going forward to even uh, improve from there. So uh, I think that is that mid-career teacher vibe, as you noted, like kind of you have the you know, tools on the tool belt that you can pull out, but also the idea of like what systems work for your classroom. And being really cognizant and intentional about those systems and how they operate throughout the school year, uh, it it feels good to say that. And I just want to make sure, while it was tougher, uh, I do appreciate how experience can translate into intentionality in the classroom. And that matters. And it's something that just takes time. And uh, it's something I like to write about. And I'm just really grateful to have that uh, going forward because I think it bodes well for the years ahead in the classroom.
0: Yeah. I could tell from, from the things that you were, have been writing and, uh, posting that i intent- it makes a lot of sense. You are a very intentional and reflective and transparent teacher, which I think is really awesome.
1: Thanks. And uh, it's been, uh, know this year more than any year, like the, the amount of things that are in the classroom that came from someone else's classroom is like mm-hmm. at an all time high for me, uh, in terms of other teachers in my school, who I'm incredibly grateful for that I work with. Uh, online, Twitter, uh, our broken copier community and emails we get from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's how like teaching should be right. It's not like a a competition. Like we're all trying to Mm. do the same thing for our kids and, uh, it works better when we're working together. So I know that's like a cliche sentiment, but I have like could list off like 10 different things we did that someone shared and I used and borrowed and adapted and uh, it's it's a cool thing. It's why I, I, one of the reasons we do this, right? Like, yeah. this is what we want for all teachers to have: is that network of support and ideas to get better.
0: Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk about your. Like, I, like
1: I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. Like, your finals week this week, right?
0: Yeah, this coming week. Yep.
1: Yeah. Same here. So, like, I, I get that we give finals. I think we've talked about this too in previous years about oh, the yeah. actual finals, assessments, etc. Mm-hmm. But taking you know nuts and bolts aside my question for you that I think is worth having as a conversation is how do you create closure in your classroom in your classroom community for students?
2: Yeah.
0: This is this is a tough question. I think this is um I would I I want I'm I'm thinking okay, I'm not comparing myself to this uh masterpiece of a show but i felt like the end of succession was just so good i really i think they did like a really good job you don't think so
1: let's not go off on that tangent okay all right uh, let's talk about your classroom
0: my point is my point is the i think a lot of shows like i you know game of thrones that ending everyone was was upset and mad and there have been other shows that the ending is, you know, people are disappointed, like endings are really hard. I think in books, in television shows, it's, it's hard to pull this together. And I feel like I really felt that too. I think that I was, um. I mean, I try to, I try to create more, but sp- like in both Lang and seminar, I try to create more space than usual uh, for like individualized exploration and having fun. I try to, do projects in both classes that retain the core skills and and the, the core things that we're supposed to be doing. But in a way where I take some of the guardrails off and allow students to do some, try to like utilize those skills more in a way that's like a little bit more authentic. Um, so for AP seminar, we did a podcast episode <laughs> and I had a couple requirements in terms of like I was listening for their, you know, integration of sources because it's a research class. And and I'm listening for, like, is your argument emerging from other sources uh, and, and nuanced perspectives? And I was so proud of, like, how psyched the students were about their podcast episodes um, and their their ability to just sort of they were really excited to delve in and have conversations with with themselves and each other around like school and stuff that they're interested in and i was really proud one of my students they asked me they were like well as part of our research can we interview people like can we have their can we have other people's interviews be like what our sources are and i was like yeah i think if you can get interviews with each other or family members about your topic then I definitely would count that as a source and they just asked really thoughtful questions and their arguments were, I don't know, they were just so good and they were excited. They had these really, really smart things to say. And one of my, one of my groups, they were doing, they were doing abuses in the foster care system and they read this news article uh, about abuse in the foster care. And I was like, one, I was like, okay, that's like a, that's like a, a hard thing to be thinking about for such a long time. It's, but they were into it and they wanted to do it. And so they read, they had, you know, 10 different news articles and there was one that they were consistently coming back to. And they asked me, they're like, Do you think I could interview this journalist who wrote this article? And I was like, You could try. Like, and I don't know, you could try. And they did. Like, they drafted an email to him. I gave them feedback on the email, I talked them through. These are the steps that a, you know, a professional journalist is going to expect and respond to. And this is how you need to approach the interview and you need to be really grateful for his time. He's volunteering his time. Um, and this journalist out in Minnesota, he lives in Minnesota now, but he had written this story about abuses in the foster care system in Massachusetts. And two of my students interviewed him for a podcast episode. And it was, it was really fantastic. And I just, that was like one example of something that i thought was like cool and exciting and refreshing and um it wasn't all perfect like there were you know it definitely wasn't a perfect ending to the year but i think there were a lot of instances like that that made me feel really excited
1: that's incredible uh, especially when students like catch an idea and then have like permission to keep rolling because you think about like what that opens the doors to not just for them and their ambitions with their own curiosity as uh scholars but also like for you now to say like oh by the way next year here's an example of what students did last year uh and it yeah. kind of has this like exponential growth uh in paying it forward uh so really cool uh it sounds also like we're kind of aligned on this a little bit with uh yeah, yeah I, I think i talked about last year but like we have uh basically with the exams being as early as they are compared to the school year for us Mm -hmm. uh, in AP, we, the students basically finish the exam, walk back in the next day and they get uh, a project that is uh, asked them in 2023 words this year to talk about what they find meaningful. And then they have basically synthesize several genres. It has to have some analytical writing over text. We've covered it can bring in text we have not covered. Uh, didn't get any succession references, probably because mm-hmm. of the collapse of the ending. Is my guess. Uh, uh, okay, but uh, a lot of like we've had Stranger Things before. Uh, got some Taylor Swift references, all sorts of things. We Great. get narrative, we get audio, and we get some sort of visual and some creations with visual. So uh, a lot of students interviewing family members to go along with their narrative, and they embed that in the project, and. The documents themselves are—I'm in the middle of grading them and reading them—and it's a very uh, cool thing to finish the year with. They're mostly Mm -hmm. juniors, so I'm going to have them future me their project to a year from now, so it pops back up in their inbox a week before they graduate next year. Uh, Yeah. But the cool, my thing that I really enjoy with that is our final day because I have some flexibility on what that final day looks like, uh, semester exam wise is a presentation where I basically have a slide deck and they have the title of their project, which has to be a haiku, uh, a visual from their project, uh, a quote of their choosing from their project. And they just get like one to two minutes to talk about what they find meaningful uh, to their peers and then receive affirmations from their peers on it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's hard to find closure at the end of a school year, especially in a high school. Cause so much is going on. It's kind of like, It's talking to someone, like landing a plane in an asteroid belt, just because there is no sense of gravity. There's like schedule and they're all good things like graduation, end of your sports, concerts. It just feels like you never have all your kids together at the same time. The schedule is completely misshapen. So I just, to have that one final moment as a classroom community after all they've built is, uh, and also just like, I was talking to students, and they're kind of noting like, that I'd taken a step back. Like a lot of our, we had a lot of student-centered conversation where I was just like not guiding them at all and just kind of Mm -hmm. sitting and listening uh, their final projects and like this. And I do get, and I I name this, like I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Like we're literally Mm -hmm. on a podcast right now. Teachers like that. But it's been really, I think, important to be intentional about stepping back in this last uh, like six weeks or so of school with this group and just giving them space to kind of take the reins uh, and I'm excited for this upcoming week where like, I mean, I, I, I click next on the slideshow for the next one, but it's basically the kids talking to each other about what they personally find meaningful and why, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I like that. It's, it feels good. So, uh, that's how we're wrapping it up in terms of our closure.
0: That feels right for a literature course, especially like why else do you read literature? You know, that I I like that a lot. That's really great. Yeah. So. Have you, when you think about
1: the start of the year, mm-hmm. what's something that you want to take from how this year is coming to a close that, like, I literally have a Google document open of, like, thoughts for next year that I've been, yeah. like, going out the last couple of weeks, talking with students. Like, I'll, like, put it on the screen and be like, hey, like, yeah. I need some ideas. Like, here was something I struggled with, a choice I made. What do you guys think? Let's let's do a quick poll, let's talk, uh and just listen. Like, what's something that you're holding on to for next year from the way this year's coming to a close?
0: I'm definitely I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you two. Um, I'm definitely holding on to our uh what we call commonplace routine. Um it was very it was a real challenge in the beginning of the year. We talked a little bit about extra credit and, you know, giving extra credit, which I know you hate, uh, as kind of like a bribe for students to share their work. Um, but by the end of the year, I, the students were really willing and able, especially this, this, the very last round I taught, we, we've, I first had a conversation with students about like my reflections on, you know I don't really I don't really want to be giving extra credit for people sharing like what I want this to be is a space for uh you to feel like other people hearing your writing is a really valuable thing just inherently in the moment um and we had this whole conversation about like the transactionalness about grades and all that but we did get to a place where like I talked to students and we did get to a place where they wanted to read and they were much more open and they were, they were sharing a lot because all year long, the things that they were actually writing in, in their commonplace entries in in response to our texts were so wonderful and thoughtful and, and, and great. And I was telling them that, and I was just like, I want to, I we I we need to find a way to get to a space where you don't feel like you're judged because everyone in the room does want you to succeed. Um and so that that routine and not using extra credit as a as a carrot uh in order to get them to share and read is is good. And the and I just I think one of the ways that I'm going to do that is to just make that uh writing routine like more impactful on your grade. Like I think a lot of them the reason that they weren't doing it and this com- you know this gets into the the grade and conversation thing but it genuinely didn't have a big impact on their grade because I didn't want it to have a big impact on their grade. I wanted it to be like kind of a low stakes thing and the idea was if you get a you know a lot of at bats and you don't have very strong strong entries like it doesn't impact your grade, but it's routine writing over time but i don't know, like the students have said that they don't appreciate that like if if they do work that is meaningful, that it should impact their grade, which I totally resonate with and think is really logical, so that's one of the wins um and the other one is which I know that you don't like but the multiple choice i think the the way that i've approached and tweaked and adapted multiple choice as a teaching and instructional tool and formative assessment has really driven reading comprehension especially for for difficult texts and i think that i do multiple choice in ways that is i i'm proud of like i i i think you know I would say, like, I think there's, I think the bad part of multiple choice is when you take this multiple choice quiz, it's really hard. And the teacher says, all right, you got a 60 on the quiz, like, let's move on. Like, I, I have space as part of my quiz taking routine for students to check their answers one time. And they can, they can use process of elimination one time to adjust all of their answers um, at the beginning of the year, though, even with that opportunity, the quiz averages were in like the fifties and sixties. And we just took, we just took last Thursday, uh, a reading quiz, the same routine. And it was in the high eighties, the averages in the high eighties. And I had students talking to me. They were like, yeah, mayor's like, this was, this was so easy. I appreciate you giving us like a real easy a at the end of the year. And I was like, this quiz was not easier. Like I was po- the, it's from the same standards. It's from the same question bank. I'm asking you really complicated questions around syntax and diction and intention and appeals and author's purpose. It was not an easier quiz. You just are actually way better at this now. And I was so, I was just really proud of that. And they, it was a good thing for me to point out to them, like, no, you are better at this now because you've, you've practiced this a lot. And I think um, starting the year, With this routine and the way that I'm doing, I think I've gotten it to a pretty good place and I'm excited to start that next year.
1: Yeah, and I very much uh, appreciate the way you talk about multiple choice because I think it's not what it looks like in the lived experiences of most students uh, in terms of what they uh, get out of it. And I think it's a really cool thing that I might have you send over some examples and processes uh, to learn from. Uh, for me, the struggle just, and we have time to lean into it a little bit, uh, is for me, it's more of a process thing, uh, mm-hmm. in that it's so hard to replicate like revisions, retakes with multiple choice, like right. the number of absences and things going on when like, well, these kids weren't here the first time. And then the day where we went over the results, these kids weren't here and it gets yeah. a little overwhelming on my end. But I do think the way you're doing it sounds, I mean, at the end of the day, If it's guiding students, student learning and they feel confident about the results, I'm very deferential to whatever assessment gets students to feeling that as a takeaway. So I don't think there's one path. I just think what I've seen is that it's not like that most times, but that I think would love uh, a long form post this summer on how you make uh, multiple choice meaningful because I think that has a lot of value and it sounds pretty cool. So that's definitely a win.
0: I can do that. And I think your your skepticism around it is completely valid because you're right. Like it it is hard and it gets it gets logistically really complicated really quickly, especially with absences. Um and so yeah, I have I have some ways that I've designed around that, but it's yeah, like holistically, you know, for for the students for the students who are consistently in class and you know have had that consistent level of at-bats I, it, it's been a really good tool and I've been happy with it.
1: Yeah and and I'll also add like we didn't not with that system but this year even more than last year schedule wise like the unit before the AP test uh, we assigned personal choice reading uh, to give yep. me some flex so it wasn't something that was centered in our classroom uh, in terms of like a whole class text. And we did a lot of like practice around components of the test, uh, a lot of essay stuff too. But the students, and we're going to see in July, right? Uh, Yeah. Like data, et cetera. And I told them like, regardless of how they feel, like I'm going to be accountable to the results and learning from them. But they, like the repeated sentiment in these conversations last couple of weeks is that they really appreciated that veer into making sure they are as prepared as possible, including with what it would feel like, what the multiple choice uh, really looks like and spending time in class, getting ready for that. Uh, And I think that is something that I definitely will do again uh, in the sense of making sure, I think our job is to prepare them for the context they're walking into and in an AP class where they're taking an AP exam, that's part of the ball game. Even if we have uh, theoretical or philosophical objections to parts of it, like our jobs to be accountable to them, and I think anything we can do to get better, and you know, on my end with multiple choice potentially, is important given our current circumstances.
0: Yeah. Okay, let me. Okay, I want to get some quick feedback from you, some thoughts from you in the moment on a design choice that I'm sort of pondering, and I'm, I've asked the students this as well. I have shared with them this is about the extra credit for sharing your commonplace. So one logistical challenge that I have with this. Re- this thing is like in one class period we don't we don't have time for all the students to read everything right and so that to me is part of where the extra credit rationale comes in because I do want it to be like a little bit optional and like also the extra credit is in a cat like I give students extra credit in a category that's like it's more symbolic than anything else, but like, it's, I don't know, it's a thing. So to not do the extra credit, I've been thinking like, I've been wondering, do you have to read? Do you have to present in class in order to get a full credit on the, on the thing? Because to me, I, I I hesitate to do that. Like I could do that. And student, it would sort of, it would naturally also force students to step up and I know that I would get a ton of people's reading, you know, but then I do want to create space. Like I kind of worry about the introverted kid who just wants to use it as a space for personal writing and, I don't want to not give them a hundred percent if they are doing the writing expectation and skill building thing that I'm that that assignment is designed for. I don't want to I don't want to not give them a hundred if they choose not to read. Like I don't know. That's the that's one of the things that I'm struggling with. So what do you think?
1: Uh, three points. Uh, point number one. I think logistically, you're right that there's just never enough time to do all the things we want to do. Uh which is a good problem. means you have a lot of good things to do. Uh, But I was, even in the conversations the past couple of weeks with students, they're like, oh, we could do this. Oh, you could add this. And I'm like, and then I'd show them the schedule and they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Like at some point there you're, you have, it's zero sum. There's only so much time to do so many things. And if every kid, especially with students speaking and conversation and discussions, like getting everyone's voice in a class that for us, you know, 30 to 35, that takes a lot of time and, there's mm-hmm. just, and then you throw in all the other logistics. It gets difficult. So I think you're right that it probably can't be like everyone every time. Uh, a potential, not solution, but uh, it could be either like a schedule over the course of a semester of like mm-hmm. these kids are like you're going to present X number of times and either like there's a random drawing as you go if you want to be a little harsher or if you just want to say, hey you're gonna have to this part of your grade is that you have to present two to three times this semester. And mm-hmm. that gives them some ownership of like, oh, this wasn't the time I felt most comfortable about presenting, but this one it is, uh, would give them some flex. And then something also that uh I did recently that I'm gonna start doing a lot more of is I found a lot of value in having students just after they're done writing, and these were narrative, so it's a little bit more personal, recording themselves reading them aloud and yeah. then uplinking the audio where you can just like go into class like, hey, I'm going to click on two of these today, just so you know, and to get full credit, you have to have the audio hyperlinked in. I know that becomes a little bit more extensive, but once it's not a, a long system, once they get used to it, right? And it really, I mean, from a grading routine, it's a very different thing to hear the kid reading aloud than you reading it in your own voice. <laughs> uh, yep. yep. But I think that could be a way to kind of adjust the system, but. Uh, you're right that it's hard because there's some kids who aren't going to like it. And, but it's, uh, that's kind of this balance of this year, I guess, between challenge and support. And I think going forward, leaning a little bit more, figuring out how to support students to that challenge with public speaking and peer feedback. Yeah. Kind of a thing every year. But I think in this current moment right now with what's going on with kids are struggling, especially around Mm -hmm. anxiety, wellness, and the the speaking part's rough uh quite honestly yeah. and i don't have a great solution but i think you're right to to want to go there that's my long-term feedback
0: those those two ideas are the for me it's it's good to hear you hear that so start all the listeners out there who are actively uh listening to me get my classroom workshopped. but i hope it's helpful for other people too cuz you know this is the kind of stuff and one one thing i would say is like I, these are the conversations that I think make a real material difference on mine and other classrooms. And it's like, these are not in this, I don't know. Like these aren't in the standards. There is no standard around public speaking. There's not, I I don't know. Like we're not, is there really, I don't, Uh, I don't have any, there's not an AP Lang or AP seminar. If you're like, just,
1: I kind of sometimes throw the overlap with like the common core standards for the grade level that gives me
0: okay, yeah. along
1: with. But you're right, yeah. Within your AP Lang, I know there's not
0: AP Lang, not at all. Seminar, sure. some, but my, but my point is, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's just real easy to get too bogged down in like standards language, like stuff, and saying like, oh, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, no, you need to still be creative and. Understand where to push students and where they're at in a way that's like comfortable and challenging.
1: Yeah, but, uh, I agree with that. 100% sign off. Uh, it's something we do. And then just the follow up is this is a conversation that happens in our classrooms too with students, especially this time of the year. And mm-hmm. being open about the purpose of what we're doing, like the gallery walk we just did to start those conversations was like, here's a choice I made here's one path I could have gone, here's another path, put a check on where you would have done if you were a a teacher in this role. And then also, at the bottom of each of those little placards, here are all my thoughts and reasonings behind it to be and it was very helpful for me to not Mm -hmm. just say here were choices I made as a teacher, but also here were the justifications and values behind them. Not that they're right, but I Mm -hmm. want to be open with that. It was a good process for me to go through. And then just Sit down with a clipboard and let them talk to each other and listen and really try not to like you know respond too much with rationales and reasoning and just you know, one, I got a lot of solutions for next year, like mm-hmm. literally plug and play. Oh, that solves everything I was struggling with, but also for them to see that teachers do make choices. Not all, not everything's a choice, right? There's things that we're locked into, school mm-hmm. building norms, etc., standards, but there are choices in all of our curriculum uh, curricula and students deserve to see that transparently and to have a voice in that process. And I tried to like bring that space into the classroom. So uh, I I do think that us talking about it on here is also important and goes back to my point about summer, the collapse into it where Mm -hmm. we just, we're too tired and we don't have enough time to have these conversations as much as we should. Mm -hmm. Like, I almost wish like students would get done and we'd have like several weeks of compensated time to really brainstorm and even like do a presentation. Here's what I did well with like a small group of peers, maybe admin. Here's what went well in the classroom. Here's where we were struggling. I want to get better at. Can we brainstorm? Okay. And like I would love that. I know I'm like Yeah, I mean I I want summer too. I'm exhausted. But like I the way the system is set up schedule wise. It sets us up to do the same things again and again and again by not giving us space to reflect as much as we should.
0: I have believed for such a long time that a low hanging fruit for great, important reform in education is to just, is to just pay teachers to be with each other in the last week of school. Like, just let the kids go and trust the teachers and treat them like professionals and give them a full week. One week is five days. You know, like what what are we talking about here? Like if you gave teachers one week of just meeting with each other, presenting, collaborating, designing while things are fresh and you know, like while we're still kind of, I don't know. I feel like maybe that's like a utopian idea, but it just, It has never made sense to me why we can't pay teachers to collaborate and design and treat that as really valuable time. It just always seems like such a sprint and it doesn't need to be.
1: Yeah, it's uh, this. This is one of those where I do think I agree and sign off that systemically we're setting ourselves up to really not. I mean, you show up in August, you get a week at the start and and that's not enough time. And that half of that's filled with other stuff at, at mm-hmm. minimum. Uh, mm-hmm. It, I just could not agree more that we need to create those spaces. And then it gets to the situation where like, you have to go find your own time and do it. Right. and Or like go to all to start these podcasts. And <laughs> yeah, it's it, like, that's not like normal. We're not normal. We're weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And or go to all these like random conferences and stuff, which I have all sorts of
0: takes. I've never, yeah, I will never do that. I never will do that. I don't care. I'm sorry. Sorry yeah. to my conference, sorry, my conference people. Uh, I just, it's not for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like the, the education, profit, industry, uh, yeah, with conferences in the summer is quite a thing. But yeah, or at the end of the pod, we can throw on some stuff, but.
0: Yeah. Well I, I don't, don't want I don't I don't want to end I want I, I you've kind of talked a little bit about this with you. I want to, I want you to to sort of stamp some of your big wins that you are taking from this year too. I feel like you didn't get that yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, well I kind of started with like the intentionality thing. Uh yeah. I would say well one, like the the whole bringing in TQE, the process from Marissa Thompson, like I've yeah. beg on beg her to jump on this pod this summer at some point. Uh right. but the thought question epiphany system is one of those things that has just like drop it in the classroom as a system. And it has worked so versatile throughout the entire year in so many ways at different levels in my English mm-hmm. 10 classes, AP. And I'm just, that was our first year doing a system, which never works as well as a, in my experience, it usually takes a few years to figure out a system that's yeah. that comprehensive. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's definitely something that I'm so excited to lean more into next year, but it was pretty immersive. Uh, it was like our whole like octopus thing. Yeah. It, it worked. I've had most like three different new oct- octopuses uh, hand created by students in this last week. One student looked at me and they're like, you're kind of stuck with this now, aren't you? I'm like, I'm, like looking at like my like shelves are filling with like student created octopuses. Uh, and I'm like, "Yep, yeah, you know, it's, it's not the worst problem to have, but Mm -hmm. Another win that I'm really excited about was I think last year and another, it was a good year, but I didn't feel like I through the lens of student size understood how they saw themselves as better writers. And that's something Mm -hmm. that we did some other stuff and we wrote a lot of things, but I didn't think like they had a story of how they had grown as writers. So this year I really tried to lean into that as one of my kind of cornerstones. Uh, They had an ongoing document that they just kept adding their process reflection and then Mm they get their feedback and we'd have really intentional feedback days where they would then update that document. They would return to that document and annotate it like, and say like, Oh, here, going back to TQE. Here's some thoughts, questions I have about my own journey as a writer. They hyperlinked all their essays into that document. So it's like a one-stop shop for everything they've written uh and then we ended like last week when we finished that document uh they had to come up with a title of their journey as a writer this year and sh- mm-hmm. go around the room and share those titles uh and just like reading through the documents now like it's not just like students saying like oh i'm better as a writer it it's like they can name here the what i understand about who i am as a writer what i still need to do going forward and it's very nice on my end to have a document of every student's thinking about themselves as a writer mm-hmm. at my disposal. Whether it's a conference or like me supporting them better, uh, mm-hmm. it's a really cool system. So uh, that was that's a win that I'm going to take and amplify next year because it's definitely uh, when you have a system win, it makes a big difference because it's something oh, yeah. like replicable and it's not just like this really cool lesson or this really cool funny moment in class, which are also really important, but it's feels sustainable and it feels like something worth sharing too. So I'll try to work on that on my end. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's been good here. I, I, I feel good.
0: I feel good too. You're positive too. This is a happy, this is a happy pod. This is a happy pod. I think, you know, for, for all of our tens of listeners out there who, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I've been excited about this community. I think, this past the this spring has been tough, and you and I living on different time zones, especially, has been logistically challenging. But uh, for those of you out there who are riding with us and sticking with us, you know, hopefully you get something valuable, and and we wish we send you all the best vibes to your classrooms, and hope that you're, um, you know, wrapping up your year well in a, in a good space. And I'm sure it was messy. I'm sure it was not perfect, but uh, that's the work. And, and if you're doing the work and trying to stay positive, I think that's, that's very, very key.
1: Yeah. And, and also just like, as much as like, we're still growing, it's been a, like with the whole Substack thing, it's, it's getting close to a year, but we've got teachers and educators from pretty much every, like looking at just like school email signups, uh, almost every state, uh, represented, which is a cool thing Uh, as that community grows. We've got several different continents and we get, it's fun to get the random messages from all all over the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I just appreciate echo what Jim is saying that this community is really important. Partly is like a representation of what we both hope teaching can be. Mm -hmm. I know that like the internet and all that stuff is a scary, negative, dangerous place at times and not always the most supportive as a teacher in terms of what you're seeing and hearing. But I do think there's a lot of value in finding connections and learning from each other. Uh, I think we both try to live that out with what this is and what we try to post and share. That's the only goal of this. Like We're just trying to put our stuff out there and learn from each other. And we're going to keep doing that because uh, there aren't a lot of simple things, but I think one simple thing should be that sharing wins, and and also sharing things that we're struggling with, uh, puts us all on the same page, and we can get better. And that matters for kids. So that's where I'm at, and appreciate you all for sticking around, listening, and we'll keep on uh, trudging forward in this messy world.
0: Absolutely. Um, thanks, Marcus. Let's. Uh, we got summer break coming up, so we'll be a little bit more flexible. Hopefully, we'll we'll get some some good pods in before before august starts but uh it was great to see you man and i'm congrats on another year and and i wish you all the best with wrapping everything up
1: same to you take care
2: jim you too the broken copier is an independent listener supported podcast for teachers the show is written and hosted by marcus luther and myself jim Mares. i do editing and sound design for the show as well thanks to casey roberts a blues musician born and raised in the Mississippi Delta, for writing and supplying original intro music. Thanks to Tom Chitari, a jazz musician, composer, and teacher, currently based in Australia. Right now, you're listening to Woodstock from his album Garden, available now on Spotify. You can stream his music under the name Uncivilized. Fun fact about the album, it includes vignettes from a single called Rain Stomp, which was originally written to support Stacey Abrams' Fair Flight Action Network for Super Tuesday in 2020. Check out all his work at guitaruncivilized.com and uncivilizedtom.com where you can sign up for guitar lessons on Zoom just like I do. Links are in the show notes. Thanks very much to my sister, Courtney Malavik, for the graphic design you see on our social media and episode posts. Thanks to Brandon Piasecki for helping to get this project off the ground. The goal of the show is to connect with a passionate, diverse group of educators, bring helpful analysis and collaboration, and celebrate everyone doing the hard work in the classroom. We hope to connect and direct time, resources, and energy towards concrete efforts that will improve student outcomes, especially in marginalized and underserved communities. We are not the only ones doing this. We want to honor and say thank you to the many educators out there, past, present, and future. Who already understand their classroom practice through a lens of social justice and change. We'd love to connect with you, hear about what you're doing, and give you a space to share your work. If you want to support the show, you can help us grow and connect for free. Reach out on social media at the Broken Copier, text an episode link to your friends in education, or even share an episode to your own social media feeds. You can email thoughts, feedback, and ideas to the broken copier at substack.com. You can also read other essays and thoughts on teaching and learning at thebrokencopier.substack.com, where we publish all of our episodes, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.